This week, we recount our journey from Dinosaur National Monument all the way up to Yellowstone National Park. We have some responses from listeners to our water saving segment last week, some listener questions, and a whole lot more. This is the RV Miles Podcast. RV Miles is sponsored by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation. L.L. Bean and NPF share a belief that every community should have the opportunity and resources to experience the joy of the outdoors together. Through this partnership, they're not only helping people find their parks, they're helping protect, restore, and improve parks across the U.S. If it's outside, L.L. Bean is all in. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. Welcome to episode 162 of the RV Miles podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. This week, we come to you from Big Sky, Montana. And boy, the greater Yellowstone area uh, does not miss a beat when it comes to fall. Does not disappoint. It it is fall here. It's not fall everywhere across the country. We know that for sure. But but here we are wearing, uh, we're wearing hats. We're wearing jackets. (laughs) We are having morning fires. Uh, It's, it's fantastic. We're loving this area and, um, Abby's not a big fan of the fall. (laughs) She likes the heat, but I, I, this is, I'm relishing this. Yeah. You're in your element for sure. Now I will say, actually, I do like the fall. It's winter that I could absolutely bypass and just go right into spring fall. I like a crisp morning. I like being able to put on some of our warmer clothes. We had soup last night for dinner. I like having soup. I don't like when it's so cold, my face feels like it's going to freeze, break, and then fall off the minute I step outside. I don't like that. I don't like that either. I don't like that. I can do without that. And that is exactly what living in the Midwest, especially in Chicago, is like from basically December until June. You don't like anything that signifies the coming of something else bad. So if, if we're getting into no, Jason, fall, you're like, oh, all you think about through all of fall is winter is right around the corner. Well, it also, yeah, this is very true. It also signifies what will be my black tank this week. And we will talk about that in right. a little bit. But I have to say Labor Day hit and the Yellowstone area was like, okay, we're done now. It's time to... Time to bring out the colors, time to bring out the cooler weather. So last week we had a, a, a big segment on water-saving tips and, uh, you know, what you can do to extend your time boondocking or staying at a state park where you don't have sewer hookups. And we asked for you to write in any water-saving tips that you might have. So we have some, and we're going to read some from our listeners and YouTube watchers. Yeah, we learned a lot last week. So so the first one comes from from Lisa who says I eat straight out of my cast iron and I use a micro USB charged shower in a collapsible 1 gallon bucket. You can heat the water in the bucket to desired temperature, monitor the water during your navy shower. 
I keep an extra liter bottle of water handy if needed. P.S. Love watching your reactions when you learn something new about each other. <laughs> <laughs> They're shock and awe most of the time. Most of the time, just shock. Like, really? You eating, really do that? <laughs> eating straight out of the pan is an excellent idea. Oh, uh, I yeah, do it all the time. We should do that more often. Oh, I, I do some similar version of that. If we have leftovers in a container... A lot of times, if it's like a two-person leftover, one of us will get a nice plate. Oh yeah, the other one's eating out of the container <laughs> for sure. Sometimes I suppose we could both eat out of out of the same. I'm not interested container. in sharing a bowl with you. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay, but I I'm, I would love to find out more about this micro USB charged shower. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I have to say, Lisa, you really do a very like studious and regimented like water routine i mean and even keeping extra water handy i am definitely not that organized and i should be considering how many people are trying to save water in this rv pat fully says instead of using a paper towel to wipe off dishes before washing i always have a good strong rubber spatula and scrape everything i can into a trash can and then wash the dish once you do it a few times, you can get almost everything off the dish with the spatula. Saves your gray tank, reduces water, and saves wasting a paper towel. Awesome. That's a very, very good tip. Yeah. And I actually thought we had a rubber scraper, and then I realized we got rid of ours. We used to have one of those Pampered Chef ones. I can't believe I just said the word Pampered Chef. But we used to... Because <laughs> we remember when we had the pie stone type pizza deep dish? Mm-hmm. That, was, that was Pampered Chef. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Back in my... Back in my stay-at-home days. <laughs> uh, Tom Tom has a really detailed comment here mentioning uh, something that, that some people do is setting up a momentary switch that you can use with your knee for your water pump. So by your kitchen sink while you're washing dishes, by your bathroom sink when you're washing your hands and stuff, what you can do then is turn the water on, but mm-hmm. it's not the water's not running out because your pump's not running. Mm-hmm. And then... You press the you press the water uh, on and off with your knee. That way, you're not having to use the knobs to turn water and turn on and off and have. It's sort of just like the shower switch, right? Right. But for your sinks as well. And I suppose instead of an electric switch, you could do a do a hand switch, but that doesn't keep you hands free when you're washing dishes. I wish it was a foot pump. Because then I could just keep my foot on it. I could release it when I want the water, put my foot back down when I want it to stop. You could absolutely do a foot switch, do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. That would actually be really, really yeah. cool to do it as a foot switch. Because I'm standing there anyway, so I might as well just get a little foot exercise. Jeff mentions using vinegar in a spray bottle or isopropyl alcohol for washing dishes. No or very little water at all used. Interesting. I never hmm. thought of washing dishes with vinegar. I'll try it. Why yeah. not? That's something that costs money, where water is generally free. Is keep water you from really using. free, though? Well. <laughs> is it? <sighs> is anything free anymore? There's <laughs> always a trade-off. And I mean that in the best way. We're conserving water because it's very good for our planet. Lots of responses about that that Dawn uh, power sprayer. Oh, yeah. That got people really worked yeah, up. There are a lot of people that <laughs> love it and, and swear by it. And uh, Rex mentioned on the same line as the Dawn sprayer, using a foaming hand soap dispenser. So you, so the, the hand soap dispensers that make a foam instead of just squirting out liquid soap, you could repurpose those with dish soap and water and it will foam it for you. 
good idea. It is a good idea. These were all really good ideas. And thank you to everyone who took the time to share their tips with us. I We couldn't read all of them. There's so many. And if you want to see what everyone is saying, then please go over to the RV Miles YouTube channel and just check out the comments there because there's a lot of really great ideas. You all are very, very smart. Yeah. You know, 99% of our listeners are our podcast listeners on podcast apps. And we've just gotten into this We've, well, we've tried several times, yeah. but we've really gotten into the YouTube a lot recently with the podcast. And the best part about it is that sort of feedback that we mm -hmm. can get instantly from people who leave comments, which we can't as easily with a podcast. Yeah. So even if you just listen to the podcast on a podcast app, if you have a comment that you want to leave about this episode or a certain thing we talked about, feel free to go over to the YouTube channel and leave it right there on the episode. Okay, this came up in the uh, this came up in the RV Miles Facebook group, and this is something that I have seen quite a lot of because we've got a lot of new RV owners out there, and a lot of you have the same Dometic <laughs> the oh, man, that thermostat is... that we all have. I, I don't even know if we can talk about this. <laughs> that thermostat drives me nuts. But what happens often is people accidentally switch them to celsius do you still even know how that happens <laughs> and they have no idea how to fix it back no seriously <laughs> if someone came to you right now and said i would like to set this to celsius I, do you know how to do it I, I yes yes i do now oh but before this whole because i know how to switch it back to fahrenheit because when it happened to us i have no idea how it happens right i mean i i know how to go purposefully and do it I don't know how it accidentally happens all the time. This is this thing is <laughs> crazy. This thermostat is insane. But all you need to do in order to change those thermostats from Celsius to back to Fahrenheit, if anybody is having this problem, is to press up and down the temperature arrows up and down at the same time, and it will usually switch right back. Uh, you know what I do? <laughs> I look at you and I say, you're up. I need you to come fix this. <laughs> and for some reason, if you ever have a reason to reset those thermostats, what you can do is just take the whole faceplate off. It just pops right off and then put it back on. And for some reason, that's how you reset it. At least that's well, that's, that's how, how we reset it. it. I don't know if you're supposed to reset it that yeah, way, but was, that's how we often reset it. <laughs> I feel like that's not right. That can't be right. I, I actually, I, I believe I did re read that in the manual. You know, the thing about manuals is like everybody says, you know, you have a problem. Well, check your manual. Everybody who owns an RV, either either your manuals are somewhere like your storage space that is the least accessible that you do not want to get <laughs> okay. to, or it's at home. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't bring it with you. Uh, it's nice to have your manuals with you, but if you forgot to bring them with you, sometimes it's hard to get this information, especially when you have no cell service like we do right, right now. now. So YouTube and the uh, and Google searches are a phenomenal tool for solving problems, but if you can't access them, it can be a bit of a challenge, and that's when you ask your neighbors in the campground. Yeah, that's when you get to know the <laughs> campground neighborhood. Here's another question that came up, and this is something we hear a lot from people who are looking to buy their first RV because they're in all these Facebook groups and they hear about the issues that people have with slides. And the question is from Thomas, we're in the process of finding our first RV travel trailer. My wife is skeptical of slides. She worries about them breaking or branches getting stuck. I'm okay either way, but tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly about slides. Now, 
let me say first, it's very hard to find an RV without slides, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, you're looking at an Airstream. You're, yes, or a, a, a lot of uh, smaller RVs. There are yeah. some motorhomes without slides, particularly a lot of the Class C motorhomes do not have slides. There's a few little Jayco's here in the campground, teeny tiny. Most Class J-Cos. B camper vans don't have slides. Um, no. But if you are looking for a little bit more space, you're more than likely going to have slides. And slides are great because they create space horizontally instead of lengthwise. So you can have a little bit shorter of a trailer than you otherwise would have by extending the other direction and and getting a little bit more room, which is awesome. And uh, most RVs are going to have them. They are great. They give you lots of room, but they are a double-edged sword. Yeah, when we were looking at our travel trailer that we have now, I was really adamant that I didn't want a lot of slides just because we had never worked with them before. We had heard horror stories as well. We'd heard good stories as well, too. I just wanted to make sure that we weren't getting in over our head going from the bus to a trailer. We have one slide, one big giant slide that extends our dining and our living room. I'm not going to say good or bad about it because I know the minute I say something, it's going to break. <laughs> so, so the problems that people generally have with slides is the motor going out, uh, the cable breaking, if it is a cable-driven slide, uh, as, as some are, and, the, uh, and, and leaks. They're a prominent place for for leaks yes, to form, they are. and and somehow sometimes getting off track, so that the even the motor might be working, the slide is not on the track properly and cannot come in. And some slides are built better than others, and obviously, if you're using a premium manufacturer, they're going to come with a little bit better slides. And the smaller your slide is, the the less problems you're going to have with it. So that's one of the trade-offs from having like one slide and multiple slides is, you know, we have a slide that absolutely has to go out, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we cannot access our bathroom or our kid's bedroom without that slide going out. And sometimes this, the RVs that have multiple slides you, they might be smaller and they might not be totally all necessary. Maybe one of them is necessary, but they might not all be necessary to go out. So if you do have a problem, your camping trip is not ruined and you can take it back and have it repaired. Most slides can, if your motor goes out, most slides can be moved in and out without the motor. Most RVs come with some sort of crank that you can you can turn it may be hidden somewhere behind a couch or something does ours have a crank we do we have one in the pastures so if we need to grab that if we have an issue we can our friends recently had an issue with their slide a cable breaking and getting off track and they ended up having to get cinder blocks and put a jack under it to get it up into the right position to go in there's all kinds of we we have seen lots of times in the campground we have people with very nice rvs <laughs> having troubles getting their slides in. I am I will say, I'm a little skeptical of what they call super slides, the full length slides, the, the slides that cover your living room, your bathroom, your bedroom, oh, the yeah. very, very long ones. And generally they put really good machinery in those. But again, you've got one slide that if something goes wrong, you have difficulty accessing stuff. That's a game and, ender if it doesn't right. go out. And, and, uh, and because they're so big, there's more work on the motors. They require bigger motors and they're harder to push back in. A lot of slides, you get two people on them. 
you can get them back on track and get them back in. The bigger the slide, the harder that is to do. I will never forget that slide situation we watched play out. What campground were we at? So that was that was at Elephant Butte State Park yes. in New Mexico. Big class A with yes. a, this was exactly what made me think of this, with a big super length slide. And there were like six people standing on the top of a pickup truck yes. trying to push the top oh of that gosh. slide in. And if you've ever seen somebody going down the road with their slide open, it's not because they forgot and left it open. It's because they can't get <laughs> they it back can't in. get it back in. Yeah. We didn't think they were going to get that one back in. <laughs> now, generally, they're okay. Most people don't have problems with them. And most of the issues that come up with them, a mobile repair tech can take care of for you. So I don't think there's something to be scared of, but if you're buying an older used RV, I would make sure to get those slides inspected for sure. And then keep up on the maintenance with them. Whatever your manufacturer recommends, it's gonna be lubing the slide seals and that's gonna help prevent leaks. It's going to be uh, continuing doing the same roof maintenance that you do on your roof, making sure all the all of the seams are sealed. Every year you should be checking your roof to make sure that all of you know, all of the goop, all of the sealant up there is intact and, and removing some and repairing it. And that's the same thing for the top of your slide. Are we due for some of that, Mr. Upperson? Uh, we're, we're due for a little inspection up there. Now, I have okay. done I've done a little bit of that on the several times I've been up on a roof to <laughs> install things and stuff. But You want to stick a time frame I, on this I, podcast? I should very so we can, I, I should we can have it here on record? That. <laughs> on record. <laughs> okay. Do you have a time frame for when we're going to get this done? Uh, somewhere when we stop <laughs> at full hookups and I've got some time. <laughs> that's my that's my time frame. I'm hiring somebody, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, of course, you can buy an Airstream and not have any slides. Uh, they used to put slides in Airstreams. Uh, we but if saw you want, one recently, yeah. too, and I was it was at Camp Verde, and I was blown away. I was there like, were, oh, Airstream with a slide. Look at that. Around the 2000 era, there were a few years where they put slides in Airstreams. We were um, all just trying to figure things out in the <laughs> early 2000s. Y2K didn't go as we all planned, and we were so confused. <laughs> Hey, we're going to continue doing what we talked about last week, a weekly ask. We don't want anything from you monetarily. We want you to do something to support us if you feel so inclined. We are coming up every week with just a little thing that you can do to help us out. And this week, what we want to ask you to do is if there's a particular episode that you like, it solves a problem for you, you get some value out of it, something you like about a particular episode, please Share it on your favorite social media platform. Share it in a Facebook group when somebody's asking about a similar problem, something like that. Uh, and and let other people know about the RV Miles podcast. Yeah, and you can get show notes for every single episode, all 162 at rvmiles.com slash podcast. There's also a search option if you can't remember the exact number of the podcast. Just search for the topic and hopefully I put together show notes good enough to find that episode. <laughs> and <No. laughs> sometimes like we're a little behind on the last few. But we're not. We're all caught up right now. We are all caught up right we're now. All and caught up. you can always share the YouTube video of the episode. Absolutely. As well. Absolutely. So thank you for doing that. Again, it's just another way of helping us build the RV Miles Network, but still doing our very, very best to keep this always free for you, the listener. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about our journey from Dinosaur National Monument on up to Yellowstone National Park. Via Idaho. Be right back. 
Fall is almost here, so it's time to start thinking about prepping for the winter off-season. Whether you own an RV, a travel trailer, or a camper, EmpireCovers.com is here to help protect all your vehicles against Mother Nature. EmpireCovers.com offers high-quality, affordable covers that are engineered to protect. Every cover comes with a free multi-year warranty to guarantee that it remains durable over time. RV Miles listeners can receive free shipping plus an extra 15% off their entire order. Visit EmpireCovers.com slash RV Miles or use the promo code RV Miles, all one word, at checkout. EmpireCovers.com. Protect what you love. Are you already dreaming of that epic 2021 road trip? Or maybe you want to take a weekend road trip and explore your state. Now is the perfect time to become a Road Trippers Plus subscriber and put those plans into action. A Road Trippers Plus subscription allows you to add up to 150 stops to your road trip ad-free. You can look for campgrounds, local eats, outdoor recreation, and more. A Road Trippers Plus subscription is normally $29.99. However, RV Miles listeners can save 20% off with coupon code RVMILES2X. That's 20% off Road Trippers Plus with RV Miles 2X. We'll put a link to the discount in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 162. All right, as the sun starts to beat down on us now, finally. Yeah, it's it, only noon. It's only noon, and the sun has finally made its way up over this big mountain ridge behind us, the cliffs behind us, and these trees. We're at a place called Red Cliff Campground in the Gallatin National Forest. I think it's Gallatin. Or Gallatin National Forest. I think it's Gallatin, too. I think you're right. Gallatin National Forest. It's Gallatin. (laughs) And uh, this is a beautiful campground right off the highway uh, where where we're getting some highway highway noise. But it is along a beautiful river, and it's secluded uh, other than the highway. And and we're loving it here, but we just had two nights, so we're making our way uh, on from here just after we record this podcast. But anyway, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which if you remember was musical theater themed. Oh, just I forgot for Abby. to finish it. Yeah, so I you didn't think you didn't think about it over the no. course of the week, did you? No. Uh, can you guess the relationship between the items in group A and the items in group B? Group A, Fiddler on the Roof, Hello Dolly, Annie and Rent. Group B is Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, and Tarzan, and it has nothing to do with the fact that those three are Disney musicals. Okay, hold on. Before you say anything, I think Group A mm-hmm. might have something to do with the fact that they're all movies. I would say they all were made into movies. You're on the right track. Am I? Okay, so they were all made into movies, and they were all movies after they were musicals. Got it. Oh, seriously? Group oh, A. Yeah. Group A are related because the musicals came before the movie, and Group B is the musical came after, after. the movie. Oh, that's the Disney connection because that's yeah. what Disney does. Yes. They make the movie, <laughs> then they turn it into a musical. Yeah, that's exactly. Yes. That's exactly the case. Okay, it's time to talk about our journey to Yellowstone, the road to Yellowstone. We left Dinosaur <laughs> National Monument in the uh, the north. East, I always get this backwards, the northeast corner of Utah and made our way up through Idaho. Yes, the road (laughs) The road to Yellowstone is paved with potatoes. Uh, Otherwise (laughs) known as I 15. Um, (laughs) What's funny though is all that time we'd spent in Idaho, we hardly ate potatoes. No, of course not. They were so cheap too, we didn't do it. (laughs) 
It, we uh, we did see some potato fields, though. We did. That was kind of yeah. cool. But first, let's say Idaho is a gorgeous state. Yeah, it's varied. Not at all what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but our very first campsite really did kind of shock me and make me rethink Idaho. Most of our time was spent along the Snake River yes. at, at a few different campgrounds uh, along the Snake River. But we started off our journey at a, a boondocking site that was actually a former Idaho State Park. And if you uh, if you go over to YouTube or if you're already watching us here on YouTube, you can see uh, a quick video, about a five-minute video we made uh, about that park, it, it and it is now um, Bureau of Land Management land, and the area is called Indian Rocks, and we found it on uh, a place called FreeCampsites.net, which is a great resource for finding boondocking sites, and often they're not available on any of the other sort of campground review sites. So I really like FreeCampsites.net, and I found this place there, and it is a former Idaho State Park, and you can see like the stone pillars that were the entrance of it. But it is no longer, and the roads are still there, and you can drive in there, are and they, you can camp. Well, the, are roads, the roads are not great. Are the roads still there? <laughs> but they're there. There's <laughs> they're, a path. There are big dips in that road, yes. but it's it's there. Yeah, so to the people on freecampsite.net who left the comments that said the road is easily accessible. <laughs> it is. It's just bumpy. Oh. And that it was you well, just got to take well, it slow. Someone even said it was well taken care of or well no, paved. No, mm, <laughs> that was but, very interesting. But the cool thing about this place is there were petroglyphs there, and we parked right next to them and camped next to some petroglyphs. There's also sort of all sorts of volcanic rock all over the place that is really cool to look at. We took a lot of wonderful walks uh, through this place and just our. Uh, one night there. Yeah. So if you're wanting to camp next to the petroglyphs, it's the very first pull off you're going to see as you come into the park. And we didn't exactly know that that's where the petroglyphs were going to be. We just saw that spot and we it's were like, the only yeah. thing that's fenced off anywhere. <laughs> yes. But there's no sign that says like petroglyphs here. We yeah. just took that spot because we were done driving that road. So this is McCammon, Idaho, which is right off of I-15. We could actually see the interstate, though we were removed enough from the interstate that the noise was didn't not bad me. at all. Didn't bother us. Normally, interstate noise doesn't bother us I don't too care. much. I mean, yeah. the noise here is more than the noise we were experiencing there. I have to say it was very, very thrilling yeah. to be camped right next to petroglyphs. That yeah. was thrilling. And we always love a good boondocking spot when we're on a journey uh, and it's just an overnight that it is close to our yes. route. And, you know, so if you're going to spend two weeks here, maybe the road noise might bother you or something like that. But yeah. it wouldn't bother us. I mean, that's why we really loved being able to boondock there. That's why we really appreciate this campground here because we're just doing a couple nights in route to our next destination. So, again, road noise is not really a factor for us when it's very short periods. So we moved on from here to American Falls, Idaho, which is near Pocatello, Idaho, to Massacre Rocks State Park. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, <and> it <laughs> it's probably the most gruesomely named park we've rocks. ever stayed in. It also, I'm going to be perfectly honest, is one of my least favorite state parks we have ever stayed in. Well, I liked it. I, what was it that you didn't like about it? Um, You know, there was just, 
I didn't really like how cramped trying to get into that site was. I felt like it was a little misleading as to the size of the site. This is something that um, we've noticed a lot of state parks doing is that they, they have pull-through sites that are, uh, they're sort of uh, crescent-shaped, you know, they're curved. So they enter and exit on the same side of the road. And this this park, pretty much all of their campsites, there were a few that were back-ends. Most of them were like this. So when you see them listed online as... 90 feet long right that was not it's a little misleading because you have to if you're a straight vehicle going on a curve you can't you can't use that whole space easily but i thought it was i thought it was gorgeous i think we had a great view of the snake river um big cliffs there's not a lot to do in this state park though other than camp and and boat if you've got a boat and i don't mean that to be like this is just an awful awful campground I think it's really well known that we do love state and federal campgrounds. We have definitely stayed in some worse private and city park campgrounds. So I think for me to say this was my least favorite still has a very high standard for it because generally state and federal campgrounds are really, really, really enjoyable. I think part of it for me, and I'm not going to get too much into it in the podcast, you can go and read up on it for yourself, is the way that they present the information as to why Massacre Rock State Park is named what it is. The brochures and everything they gave us when we came in really felt very one-sided, and I just didn't like the way the story was being presented. I was very, very excited that we were going to see Oregon Trail wagon ruts which we didn't end up seeing because it was just, we ended up, some people were not feeling good that week and we ended up really actually not leaving the RV at all. But I just, I think in regards to what you kind of expect or what we have seen when we go to state parks and the things that there are to do and the trails that there are to go on and just sort of the way that the park is cared for, the spaces felt really cramped here to me. The park itself felt very tiny. It again was up against a highway. There was highway noise. So for a whole week there, it just wasn't my best experience. That does not mean that it's an awful place to stay or if you're passing through that area, I would still recommend that you can go and visit. It just wasn't my favorite. I, I, I'm with you on why it's named what it is and the, the way they describe it. And obviously, it has something to do with a, a conflict between Native Americans and, and settlers. Uh, but I I just thought the views were great, the sunsets were great, and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But again, there's no trails, really. There's no, um, there's no places to drive around. You kind of go camp and you get the view. And I think if you're there for boating, it's probably very, very enjoyable. You cannot um, access the river by a beach or anything like that. You can't go and really sit down there. This particular stretch of the Snake River is specifically for boating. So if that's something you really, really enjoy, that's this is also could be a potentially really great location for you as well because you have beautiful access to the Snake River. Maybe too in a different time when ranger programs are up and going and there's a little bit more activity in the park. Maybe again, I would feel a little bit different about it, but I just felt like the park was very hard for me to get to know, to access, and basically to enjoy. And, you know, the last few days, too, the haze really started to move in and the air quality got a little rough. And so I think it was a lot of, like, different factors. I would absolutely give this park a second chance. 
I just, there's just been so many wonderful state park experiences. This one just ranks a little low. I think having that be our first experience with sort of the smoke from all the wildfires coming towards us, it was a little, uh, it was a little nerve wracking. Like, do we, we could start to smell it is, you know, do we move somewhere else where the air quality isn't going to affect us? All that sort of stuff was starting to go through our heads a bit. Obviously, we had been following the fires and we had been following it because of our families and also just because of how horrific it is for everybody in the West. And then this was the visual in our face. And I think that that then became another layer of anxiety because we thought if it's so bad here, what must it be like for those poor souls all the way on the West Coast? And so, you know, you have all of that emotional that starts getting yeah. built into it. And it it just it was just an interesting week. I mean, you could stare directly at the sun. It was just a round circle. And I've heard like now being on Tatooine. that uh, <laughs> uh, I just read yesterday, though, that the smoke is now from the Western wildfires in the U.S. is now visible as far as Europe. I just hope very, very soon that our friends in the West, those people in the West, they get a little break, that the West Coast itself gets a little break. This has been horrific yeah. on so many levels. I do believe yeah. this is the first, second, and third worst fires in it, history. It is the for, first, third, and fourth for California. First, third, and fourth. Yeah. Okay. All at one time. I, and, I can't and imagine. In the year 2020. I can't. <laughs> it's and I, and then we've got on uh, on the east. We've got hurricanes and rainstorms and. Uh, I was, you it, know, it's wild. Watching um, Hurricane Sally roll into Gulf Shores, Alabama, a place that we have visited and absolutely loved. And then I was watching what was going on there in Mobile and how it was beginning to make its track northeast. And it was, you know, you see these places and and. When you can put yourself back into that spot and say, I stood there and then watch as it's just getting ripped apart. I mean, it's a whole other level of heartbreak. But again, it's nothing compared to what the people who are living through it have to experience. And so that's happening on the East. You know, I'm constantly worrying about your brother, my brother, my sister-in-law, my nephews on the West Coast who live in the L.A. and Malibu area. I'm always worrying about them, hoping that every single day that passes, they're staying safe, that they're able to navigate this. The air quality is so poor. It's overwhelming. That's all I can say. So massacre rocks. Wow, that really triggered a lot. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and so <laughs> we we uh, we had that sort of smoke all the way through Idaho, and then uh, even when we arrived in Yellowstone, but then it uh, then it, it cleared up out. for a while, and now and now it's back. And where we are now, it is very hazy and smoky, particularly I think from Oregon. At but, night, it feels like it's fog. In the yeah. morning, before the sun breaks and gets over that haze, it all feels like it's fog, but it's not fog. It's the haze is so intense and so dense here. And I think that's part of the reason why we have a hard time getting any sun. I mean, the sun doesn't even start to make an appearance till about 1030 in the morning here. Yeah. So there's just a lot going on. And again, you know, our hope is, is that the West Coast, they're the ones who need it. We can live with this. The West Coast is the ones that we really need to be thinking about and hoping that that clears up for them soon. Uh, all right, moving on along our journey uh, up to Yellowstone, the next place we stayed, the final place that we stayed before making it to Yellowstone, uh, was a place called the Juniper Campground in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And this is a county park. And 
this is something I, I if we impart any knowledge to you from this episode <laughs> at all. <laughs> this is it right here. Look for county, city, local campgrounds. Hats off we have, to this county campground. We have very often had excellent experience yeah. at these places. They're usually very affordable. And this one was no exception. $25 a night uh, for just a really, really well-kept park. hookups. For full hookups. Full hookups. So here's the tip about this campground. The A loop is reservable. The B loop and the C loop are first come, first served. And I was a little bit nervous about that because I full hookups, I thought, well, you know, this is going to be tough to get. So we did make sure that we headed out and headed out early and we picked a what we thought might be a, a less popular day. So we didn't try to show up on a Friday. No, actually, we did show up on we a Friday. We did show up on a Friday. That's, we just showed up really early. That's why. Okay. We had, coming back there were now. only two spots left and we had one of them. Yes. And so, and that was the B and the C loop. The B loop is going to have more back end spots. And there's a few pull-throughs. The C-Loop is clearly the newest loop of the whole campground. And they're all these really big, beautiful pull-through spots. So overall, though, it's a really, really gorgeous campground that sits on top of a cliff that, again, looks down into the Snake River. And every site has a ton of space. Oh, our site was so big. The kids had a ton of space to run around. I was so just blown away by this campground. And the town of Idaho Falls is is sort of a good place to provision before yes. getting to Yellowstone where there's not going to be a lot of services. So if you are coming up I-15, and a lot of people don't come up the Idaho side. A lot of people come up the Wyoming side because they want to stop at Grand Tetons on, on the way up, and that's understandable. But if you're coming up the western side and you come up I-15 like we did, you get Walmarts, you get grocery stores, you get RV dealerships, all sorts of stuff that you might need to access before getting up to the West Yellowstone area. And uh, and it's also kind of a beautiful town. The Snake River runs right through it. Um, there are these sort of small cascading waterfalls right downtown in a big sort of waterfall park you can visit. And, uh, and we weren't there very long, no, but we would go nights. back and, and stay for a while. Absolutely. And it's we got our Walmart on while we were there. And we did a big shop to go up into West Yellowstone because we knew and we had been warned that the grocery stores in West Yellowstone are really expensive. And I've had, since shopping at these grocery stores in West Yellowstone, I've had at least three things I've purchased rot. On me. They're not only expensive, they're very limited and small. Yeah. Um, so you can't get a whole lot of things that you might want to get. So I appreciated the fact that we could do this big shop at Walmart in Idaho Falls before making that final push up into West Yellowstone. And it was just also nice to be in a county campground. You know, one of our kids' favorite campgrounds that they still remember all these years later is this city campground that we stayed at in Wisconsin, right on the Wisconsin-Minnesota border. And they loved it there. It was $15 a night. They had Wi-Fi. They had this huge park that it was butted up against. And their AAA baseball team 
played there. So these city and county parks, they are sometimes just the hidden gem of the campground world to me. Now, the thing you're going to deal a lot with in these city and county parks is difficulty making reservations. Sometimes they don't take reservations at all. Uh, Sometimes you have to call like the county office to make a reservation and somebody who isn't super clear on how it all works is the one taking it down. So sometimes they're, they're not really set up for that, but... But if you can navigate that, what you get out of it is is usually pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. So from there, we took the uh, we took the road the rest of the way up onto uh, West Yellowstone, and it was a beautiful drive. And we left Idaho behind for a bit for a week because up in West Yellowstone, <laughs> you 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 can drive ten minutes and be in Wyoming, Idaho, or Montana at, at any point. But uh, we really loved our little short stays throughout the state of Idaho and and would love to come back and spend a lot more time there. Yeah, I'd like to explore the state a whole lot more. And so all of our Yellowstone adventures are actually going to end up being two podcasts that are going to start next week. Uh, and I'm excited to relive those three weeks in Yellowstone because they were pretty magical. It was uh, a vacation of a lifetime. It really yeah, it was. was. It was. Okay, time to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment, and we will have our new brain teaser. Be right back. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, get severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention all of that's included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. It is now time to check the level of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank has four letters in it. (laughs) This has been your black tank a few times before, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you're a longtime listener, you know it's fall. And Abby just said her black tank is a four-letter word. You probably know what I'm about to say. Pumpkin spice latte. Oh, stop. Oh, that's going to be my fresh tank next week, though. you got to help me remember that. Uh, No, my black tank this week is M to the I to the C to the E. Did you just do it to the? I sure did. Okay, it's mice. It's mice. Get out (sighs) of my trailer. I don't understand why you want to come in there. We don't like you. You are not welcome. (laughs) you got to go home, and your home is not my home. So we discovered one yesterday. And it seemed like we had just a little, a little person, just maybe one, thank goodness. Uh, but I immediately was like, get yourself in that truck, go get the stuff, because I can't handle this. So we're trying something new um, that I finally found, like, in a hardware store. Uh, Fresh Cab, which we, has come recommended to us uh, and many other RVers many, many times. There's these little packets that smell like um, Christmas. They smell like Christmas. Yeah. It smells like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and uh, Our- but but they are but the stuff is called Fresh Cab and it is uh, it is meant to keep mice away and it, it, it hopefully work. maybe it worked last night. We didn't see any evidence of one this morning. No, I haven't gone through and done a really big look, uh, but the places that they're known and it seems like those places that they're known to get into are access points for like tubes and 
things of that nature that are going down into the belly of the RV. So that's where we put these um, packets. And so I didn't see anything this morning. We did put a couple other traps out as well because I'm not here to play. I'm sorry. You come in and it's you and I are throwing down and one of us is leaving and one of us is staying. Abby would Abby would just like... I would burn this RV to the ground. Oh, okay. I wasn't going to go that far. I would say, I was going to say you, you'd be going to look on a lot, on a dealer lot for new RVs right I now. I would. You know, there's that meme where like look. the entire trailer is on fire and it's like, got the mouse. That is literally what I would do. I was like, okay, we're moving out of this trailer now and we're driving over to, is, hey, is there an RV dealership in Bozeman or Billings? <laughs> I need a new RV now. Look, everybody deals with mice, whether you live in a home or an RV. Mice, uh, mice are just something that you you got to manage. Mm, it mm, happens, mm, uh, mm, but, <laughs> but particularly this time of year, as it starts to get cold at yeah. night, they get start. Me. They like to find warm places to go in. Get me to warmer climates, <laughs> or your wife will be waking you up it's every still morning. Cold at night in all the no. warmer climates. Listen, this is what happens to Jason too when there's a mouse in the house. I like to get up early. I get up early before everybody else in the family. That's just something I like to do. It's about the only time I have 30 minutes to myself, an hour. This morning, I woke him up and I was like, I would like to get out of bed now. Could you please go walk through the trailer and just do a perimeter check for me? I don't know what I'm checking for. You're looking to see if it got caught because I can't handle that. I can't handle the emotional of that. That's that's you. And also, you're just you're just assessing the situation for me. Now, ladies out there who have had children or just ladies in general, uh, people in general, I'm not even going to put it on a gender. I was going to say I find this line of dialogue very sexist. <laughs> I'm not going to put it on a gender, but some of us who have gone through bodily changes in our lives, we need to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Okay, like it's just, it happens. Let's let's TMI it. I couldn't do that last night because I was too afraid I was going to see a mouse. So I was miserable all night long. So this mouse has to get out of the house. Thankfully, it looks like maybe the fact that it smells like a Christmas tree now in our RV kept it out last night. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, everybody else that we have talked to recently, friends in campgrounds have also had mice. We have two friends right well. now. Yes. We have two <laughs> friends right now dealing with it. I have one friend yep. who texted me yesterday, almost the exact same time that I discovered our situation. And then she and I lamented together. Hers is a little bit more unsettling uh, because they found droppings under their mattress. And mm, I would be Oh, Jason, we'd be out of that RV and into a hotel. Like, no joke. <laughs> oh no gosh. joke. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, moving on. What is your fresh tank for the week? My fresh tank this week is that for the last two days, you and I have been enjoying a morning campfire. And we don't have that many campfires in general. No, we don't do a lot of campfires. It's rather expensive to do a campfire on a regular basis. Also, we've been west and there haven't really been the opportunity to have campfires. Thankfully, here, we were able to safely have one. And also, it was very inexpensive. It was $6 a bundle for a really decent bundle as well. And so yesterday morning and today, we had morning campfires. And I've just decided that I like 
morning campfires better than evening campfires. Yeah. I'm yeah. a morning person. By the time the evening rolls around and it's dark enough to have a fire, I actually just really want to be like tucked into my bed, staring at my phone or watching Chopped on Food Network. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what I want to be doing. All right. So morning campfires have been really enjoyable. We've cooked twice. We never cook over a campfire. Yeah, we've cooked over our campfire so twice now. we did. Breakfast two, Yeah. Times. And the kids have been sleeping the whole time. We've let our kids sleep in late mm-hmm. these last two days. They slept till 10 this morning. So, all right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? Last night, the power went out in this campground for a few hours, maybe like three hours or so. Yeah, maybe three at the most. Yeah. And at the first hour, you know, not much going on. And the second hour, the generators stop pop, start popping on. And that's fine. Like, if you know, the, obviously you're here because there's supposed to be power and you got you want to turn your generator on because the the power is out and that, that's totally understandable and i was thinking about it if we would need to luckily we had no reason to turn our generator on but what kind of blows my mind is the number of people like because we take a walk through the campground usually every night wherever we are we often take a walk through the campground mm-hmm. and the number of people that had their generators on solely to watch tv <laughs> We're walking, <laughs> and this generator is just it's so loud. And this Airstream's got their windows, their shades are all up. And I look at him, and I'm like, Oh, and yeah, the whole campground are, can see what you're watching. You're they're watching yeah, the Sopranos. You're watching the Sopranos. <laughs> the power is out, and you are literally like, I can't live without this next episode of the Sopranos. <laughs> Because I don't want someone to spoil this for me. I mean, I just looked at him and I said, maybe, maybe we could have just kept this really loud generator off. Just, just see how it goes. Look, if by, if by nine o'clock you, you still haven't connected with Tony, then you know what? I, I don't know. I don't, maybe turn it on. But yeah. even still, that's late. But I just, sorry, I totally took over your That's okay. Day. That's all right. But there were a lot, also there are a lot of, um, What's the, what do you call them? The open? Open frame generators, open frame. not non-inverter wow. generators. Wow. Don't wear those unless you need Oh, to. those are loud. The suggestion here, the request is run it if you need it. Don't run it to watch The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that show's been off the air for years. <laughs> and before like, you ask, that like they weren't like cooking dinner at no. the same time. There was nothing else going on. We we walked by, past there twice in the course of an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of that going on. That's like you trying to watch The West Wing for the four hundredth time on a hey. generator, and me being like, "Okay, intervention time. Can't you just act it out at this point?" Okay. <laughs> What's your fresh tank? Uh, my fresh tank is. No cell service. Oh, it's back again. This is like a fresh tank within the last just couple of months. Yeah, well, we talked about it, but, but I mean, this is the first time in a very, very long time that we've had absolutely zero cell service. Mm-hmm. Like we have, you know, at Yellowstone, we would go into the park for most of the day and have no cell service there, but come back to the campground at night and we'd have it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, obviously because we work on the road, we generally try to have cell service wherever we go. Yeah. But these last two days in this campground, no cell service and uh, a little bit of um, nerves about checking Facebook groups and emails and, and all yeah. and Facebook and YouTube comments and stuff. But, you know, those were all assuaged yesterday when we went into town 
and and checked up on everything over the course of like a half hour and we were like oh there's nothing to deal with and nobody it, needs us <laughs> it's been great we've been like what do we do yeah. and and having an awesome time we played a, a card game with the the boys last night you and i played a card game the night before we've been having those morning campfires and yeah. and not doing a whole lot of work and it's been great it has you know i have to say you in particular when we first got here i noticed that you were really jittery. Like you almost didn't know what to do with yourself. And I think that that just speaks to what a really hard worker you are and how concerned you are all the time with the quality of the work that we try to put out. And I also think that speaks to the fact that you work way too much. Well, I'm also still <laughs> so, coming down from from this, you know, when we had our other publication, when we had our yeah, performing yeah. arts publication, which we're at least for the time being no longer operating because there's no theater right now yeah. um, and uh, and won't be for a while. But when we had that, most of what we were writing on that was breaking news, stuff that we needed to put out immediately. And uh, Well, it was only breaking because we were trying to beat the Chicago Tribune. Right. Today, okay. And, like in, in reality, a casting announcement is not it, for like, Chicago theater. It, it sounds so probably sounds so in, small, but it, it was actually a big deal. It, well, it was a big deal for the community. Absolutely. You know, we could but, get, we could get 2000 views if we beat the Chicago Tribune to something. In a 45 minute um, period. Yeah. But we no longer really have to do that much of the news in the RV industry is, is not breaking in, in that sort of way. Yeah. And if it is, it's getting put out by somebody else. Um, well, and even if it is breaking, you can still go and write it. And there's a pretty good chance that, the you know, you're going to reach a portion of the community that hasn't read it yet. You know, uh, we talk a lot about this. You are way more plugged in than I am. And oftentimes you learn about things two or three days before I learn about them. So we're always trying to find that balance where, yes, there's breaking for the Jasons of the world. But then there's also breaking for the Abbeys of the world yeah. who appreciate being a few days behind on things because I do tend to want to unplug more from that section of our life than you do, I think. So working in the RV Miles Network allows that. Perform Inc. did not allow us to have Abbeys of the world. Yeah. We all had to be Jasons of the world. Yeah. So I could tell when we first got here, uh, you didn't know what to do with yourself. And then you figured out really quickly that you could put the hammock up and take a nap. Yeah, I could, do, <laughs> I, I could do more of that. <laughs> and you did that. And then you found a book. Uh, we've had a couple of Sudoku challenges. <laughs> all right. It's time to wrap this episode up mercifully with a brain teaser. <laughs> this one is train related oh everybody, everybody got everybody loves a good two trains heading in the same direction that eighth grade uh, math, again. <laughs> math bustle all right two trains on the same track they're heading towards each other directly towards each other on Rut the same road. track they're 150 miles apart when they're 150 miles apart a very fast bee flies from the bumper of one train the front bumper to the front bumper of the other train the oncoming train of course, as soon as it gets there, without losing any time, it turns right around and heads back. So as these trains are speeding toward each other, the bee flies at 137.5 miles per hour. How far will the bee have traveled before he is squashed like a grape? So I just tried to figure this all out with hand gestures. Not sure if you recognized that I had the train and the little bee. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
I don't know. Here's a very, here's a very important piece. The trains are traveling at 75 miles an hour. Okay. That's a very important piece. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, we will. And hey, if you are listening to us on your favorite podcast app, we would really appreciate it if you would go over there and just give us a five-star review, especially you Apple podcast listeners. That helps put RV Miles in front of a whole new audience. We also want to remind you that RV Miles is all across social media, so please come join us. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter on the 15th and 27th of the month. (laughs) Also, please come join us over on the RV Miles Facebook group. All of this will be in the show notes, rvmiles.com slash 162. And until next week, keep logging those RV Miles. Bye, everybody. 